This is one of those lessons where you're going to have to do a little bit of reflection within yourselves. I spent a little bit of time talking about our routines, and I was thinking about that a little bit because <clears throat> earlier this week I had to have training uh, at my secular uh, work, and it's because we are producing, uh, we're always producing new parts, but we're producing new parts for a new model of a vehicle. And so what we do is, is we'll bring in uh, support personnel, and we'll do the same with operators, and we'll begin to train them on the routine of how they produce these parts. We'll train the quality people on how they inspect parts. We'll train the operators on how they inspect them, how they pack them, how they label them. And we do all of that so that they have a, a set routine, one, in writing, but two, as they continue to work through that routine, it becomes a really just a normal part of their day-to-day -day operation. And the goal is, is ultimately to make the customer happy. Now, as you begin to talk about routines, uh, there's some other synonyms for this word, but oftentimes when you think about routines, people then will begin to think about habitual behaviors. Uh, and sometimes those are not good for you. However, and it's true, people have routines or, or habitual behavior that is not good for them. However, many of the things that we actually do on a day-to-day -day basis are uh, part of our routines, uh, and they are good for us in our physical life, and the same would be true when we begin to think about our spiritual life. Let me give you the definition for a routine. It's a set of customary or unchanging and often mechanically performed activities or procedures. Now, again, it's the same idea or very similar to that of a habit. Routines are not always habits. However, when you have repetitive routines, they become habits. And again, not all habits are bad things. Uh, most of us have habits in our daily life. Uh, I know when I used to work third shift, I would drive home, and sometimes I don't remember driving home. <laughs> For anybody who's worked third shift, you know what I'm talking about. I would drive home and not remember it. However, I knew to always stop at stop signs, and I knew to stop at stoplights, and those things, because they're so, they're done on such a regular basis, they just become habits. Well, that also needs to be taking place within our spiritual lives. Let's start off with a very basic question as we talk about root, the routine or routines for maturing spiritually. One of the questions we ought to be asking right off the very beginning is, is what exactly can I do to protect my salvation as a Christian? Now, what I'm going to begin to look at here, some people would look at these topics, and if you're looking at your outline here, you might say, these are pretty basic. I want you to also understand that they are basically neglected for many people. And we don't go back and spend a lot of time on these, but this morning as we break these down, a couple of these items, I can't tell. You're going to have to inwardly look within yourselves and do a check to see where it is that you're at. Some of them we can, and we'll talk about those in a second. What exactly can we do to protect our salvation? Well, let's start with a basic. Going over to Romans chapter 6, verse 17. First and foremost is, is we need to understand what the doctrine of Christ is. If one wants to be in a position where when they die, they reach their eternal reward, they need to have an understanding of what it is that allows you to receive that reward. Romans 6, 17, But God be thanked that ye were the servants of sin. Let me pause for a minute. That was their routine. 
They were servants of sin. That's what they did on a regular basis. He says, But ye have obeyed from the heart that form of doctrine which was delivered you. Let me point one other thing out, and I'm not going to spend much time on this. The majority of people today do not believe that there is one doctrine of Christ. The majority of people today believe that you can read through your Bible, and if you want to worship this way or believe this way, that's fine. If you want to worship that way and believe that way, that's fine. And we can all just get along. Paul says there is a doctrine. Now, again, I'm not going to focus too much on this, but there is a doctrine. Okay, And here's what I wanted to point out. Their, their routine behavior before was they were servants of sin. And Paul points out here, as he's writing to the church in Rome, that they now have the routine of obeying the doctrine of Christ. I want you to notice something. We can change our routine. As we begin to look at some of these today, if you're not following a correct routine to get you to heaven, you need to do what they did. You need to change your routine. Spiritual routines lead to spiritual growth. And spiritual growth is necessary if we want to become more like Jesus. I think most of us would understand, and we've seen it, that when people become Christians, there's an awful lot that they just don't know. And there's a lot of areas in which they need to grow. Their routines have not been established for one who is necessarily a follower of Christ. And that doesn't usually happen as soon as you become a Christian. It's something you see taking place, and it's something you begin to learn. And so, really the same thing with those in, in the church there in Rome. Paul, he points out that this used to be their routine, but now their routine has changed. We have to have both individual and congregational goals so that we can grow both spiritually and numerically. And for us to be able to do this, we have to spend a lot of time routine, routinely spend time in the Word of God. Now again, as I pointed out earlier, routines are something that you do on a repeating basis. If you do it long enough on a repeating basis, it will eventually become habitual behavior. And let me also point this out, that studies and experience show us that unless we establish good routines, bad routines will take over. And I know when I was doing my master's degree in counseling, that was one of the things they would emphasize was that if you have a bad routine or habitual behavior, the easiest way to stop that is to take a new behavior and replace it. That's exactly what they did there in Rome. It's a, that's a biblical understanding. That's exactly what they did there in Rome. And so I guess what we need to point out here is, is as we ask the question, what are some things... Good routines that will help us meet our spiritual goals. And as I said, some of these I'm going to mention, I don't know whether uh, you are following these routines. This is going to take your own introspection and, and reflection to figure out if you are. Let's go back and spend some time on, and it's tied to the very first thing, what can I do to protect my salvation? Well, I have to, I have to obey that form of doctrine within the Word of God. How exactly do I carry that out? Well, we need to go back and spend some time talking about one of the most important uh, this has to be routine not only for individual growth, it is also the basis for congregational growth and congregational faithfulness. And when I say growth, I'm not talking numerically, right? A congregation can continue to grow but not be growing in number. But that growth that is taking place, really uh, both numerically and spiritually, they will, they will kind of oftentimes be tied together, it is 
based on the Word of God. Yes, I need to know the form of doctrine to protect my salvation. I need to know that form of doctrine to teach somebody else how to obey the gospel. But I need to be in the Scriptures every day. I can't know the doctrine of Christ in order to protect my salvation if I don't know the actual Scriptures. I don't know if you guys have looked this up lately. The numbers change quite often, and I look them up every time I do a sermon like this. As of the last poll I could find, 11% of Americans read their Bible on a daily basis. 11%. Um, I will point this out. There's a bigger percentage than that that go to, claim to go to church every week, which means that the majority of people who do claim to go to church every week are not reading their Bible on a daily basis. And this actually came up in Bible study. The majority of people we talk to on a regular basis about spiritual things have very little understanding about the, the Scriptures themselves. Why? Well, I think the poll numbers speak for themselves. There are an awful lot of people who claim to be Christians, and yet they don't know anything about the Bible. And the reason they don't know anything about the Bible is because they actually just don't read the Bible. And here's a logical question. How can you know how to please God when you don't even know what the Scriptures teach? And that's for really those maybe who are watching this online. Knowing the Word of God and understanding the doctrine of Christ, that's mandatory for my spiritual growth. Listen to 1 Peter 2.2. As newborn babes desire the sincere milk of the Word that ye may grow thereby. You're not going to grow in the Christian faith. You're not going to grow as a Christian yourself if you are separated and neglecting the Word of God. We cannot grow separately and apart from the Word. And we pointed that out this morning. What do you know about God? Only what the Holy Spirit revealed through the Word. What do you know about Christ? What was revealed through the Word. What do you know about the Holy Spirit? What was revealed through the Word. What do you know about faithful congregations? What was revealed through the Word. And it's for every topic you talk about. How do you become a good husband? How do you become a good wife? I find out from the Word. How can you know how to do any of those if you're not studying your Bible? And again, let me point out, 11% of Americans are reading their Bible on a daily basis. Let's go on over to Psalm 19. I'm going to read from verses 7 to 11. David begins to point out the importance of God's Word. David understood it. Psalm 19, starting in verse 7. The law of the Lord is perfect, converting the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. The statutes of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The judgments of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. More to be desired are they than gold, yea, than much fine gold, sweeter also than honey and the honeycomb. And moreover, by them is thy servant warned, and in keeping of them there is great reward." Seems pretty simple to understand. David understood we are, we are warned and guided through the Word of God. And he says, and when we do this, there's this great reward. That's exactly what I started off with. Let's go on back to Psalm chapter 1. David, he goes and talks about the blessings for those of us who are constantly, daily focusing on the Word of God. What I'm saying is, is that is our routine. That's where we spend our time. That's where we carry out as we begin to go back and focus on what God's will is for, for mankind. Psalm 1, verses 1 through 3, Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, 
nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law doth he meditate day and night. And he shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water, that bringeth forth his fruit in his season. His leaf also shall not wither, and whatsoever he doeth shall prosper. Guys, if we want to, if we want to grow spiritually, we've got to be spending a lot of time within the Word of God. We have to be nourished by the Word. And we can't receive nourishment to grow if we're not feeding ourselves spiritually. And so I ask this question, again, as we look from an a inward perspective, how many of us have, have, as Christians have not grown or are not growing like we should be? I think, again, that's a valid question. How many of us have, as Christians right now, if we're willing to be honest with ourselves, have become stagnant? And if you're sitting here right now or if you're watching this online and you say, well, I don't know if I'm stagnant, let me ask the question. Do you read your Bible every day? That's one of the very first questions we're going to start with. Again, you might say, these topics are so basic. Well, they're basically neglected. And that's why we're going back and we're covering them again. Do you read your Bible every day? Have you become stagnant? If you're a Christian and your answer is, no, I did not read my Bible uh, multiple times this week, I'm going to tell you right now, you're stagnant. You may be worse than stagnant. You may actually be backsliding. I can't tell that for sure. You need to answer that question. Can each of us say that we're spending the time that we need within the Scriptures? Let's talk about another routine for many is well below where it should be, and that is prayer. Do you pray on a regular basis? That is another essential routine for us as Christians. Okay, um, I don't have one. I don't even know if they make an app for this. Uh, does it? You can just nod your head. Does anybody here have an app on your phone that goes off in the morning and tells you to read your Bible or sends you scripture? I have one of those. It sends me scripture in the morning, whether I want it or not, whether I'm in a meeting or not. My phone will go ding, and it pops in, and there's a verse right there. Right. I wish I had one of those for prayer because I don't know that I pray enough. But prayer is something that we ought to be thinking about. Prayer, practice of regular prayer, a routine of praying. I think a lot of people probably do pray at night, uh, but for many people they do not. It's mandatory, mandatory for spiritual growth. I not only need to be reading the Word of God, I should be praying on a regular, bra- on a regular basis. And there's a lot of things that I could say I obtain through prayer. Things like mercy, comfort, strength, peace. Every one of us here, Jerry mentioned it today, every one of us here struggles with something. I don't know what you're struggling with right now, but every one of us struggles with something. So here's the question, and I ask myself this. Where am I going to find comfort? Listen to Hebrews 4.16. Let us therefore come boldly under the throne of grace. Why? That we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. It is through prayer that we as Christians can find peace. Listen to Philippians 4, 6-7. The Christian is told, Be careful for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, Let your requests be be made known unto God. 
And the peace of God, which passeth all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Jesus Christ. Both Christians and non-Christians deal with an awful lot of horrible things within our lives. And yet for us as the Christians, we have an avenue to seek after peace that they do not. I'm not going to go too far into what I say now because I, don't, I doubt the person watches this. Um, a close co-worker's spouse committed suicide this week. I don't believe that they go to a congregation anywhere, or if they do, they don't go on a regular basis. And I wonder about that co-worker who is dealing with that. How do they deal with it? I don't think there's anything probably worse for a spouse to deal with than something like that. But then as I thought about it even more, as bad as it is for that spouse to try and deal with it, would that have even occurred if that person was a Christian? Would that have changed their entire mindset regarding the value of their life? Those are pretty deep questions, right? For those of us as Christians, we have an avenue to try to deal with things like that through knowing the Word of God, through praying about these different things. But how do they find true peace when they don't even know who to ask or where to find it? It's a big difference between the Christian and the non-Christian today. As Christians, we are to remain steadfast in prayer. Romans 12, 12, rejoicing in hope, patient in tribulation. Again, that's pretty difficult. Continuing instant in prayer. You may say, well, I mean, what's the correct number, Sean? <laughs> is it in the morning? Is it, in, is it at night? Uh, is, it, is it three times a day? Is it five times a day? Uh, I don't have the answer for that. My answer would be this. We should always be in the mindset to pray. We all have things we do all throughout the day. And oftentimes, prayer is not the first thing that's on our mind, and yet we should be in the mindset where we can. Daniel was a great example of that. Listen to Daniel 6.10. Now, when Daniel knew that the writing was signed, he went into his house, and his windows being open in his chamber toward Jerusalem, he kneeled upon his knees three times a day and prayed and gave thanks before his God as he did aforetime. Let me point something out. That was his routine. That was his routine. Three times a day. I would go so far as to, based off what we read about Daniel and what we know, I would go so far as to say, although his routine was three, probably prayed more than that. But that's the routine for his formal prayer that he sat down and he began to pray. But I want to point out what it says is that he was instant in prayer. The idea, again, is always ready to pray about whatever it is that he was struggling with, dealing with. And we have the same idea for the Christian. Philippians 4, 6, Be careful for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. Prayer is how, at least for me, how oftentimes I organize my struggles. And yet at the same time as I'm working through that, thinking about the struggles of other people. We as Christians pray for those that we love. We pray for other Christians. Even here we talk about prayer requests of, of those within the congregation. Prayer is a... It's an open time of communicating with God, and it's essential for our spiritual growth. 
and I will point this out as I was sitting and thinking about it, because I am certainly not discounting the need for counseling. But who do you tell your problems to first? I had a lady ask me this week, what do you think about counseling? I said, pretty much everybody probably needs counseling. But I would tell you this, before my problems ever would go to a counselor, they're going to go to God first. And before I ever take the advice of a counselor, I'm going to take the advice within the Scriptures. I'm going, to pray, I'm going to pray to God about my struggles. I'm going to pray about my trials. I'm going to pray about others that I love and their struggles and their trials. And as I'm looking for this guidance and, and how to be directed, first and foremost, I'm going back to the Scriptures. Let's talk about assembling. I told you the first couple I can't answer for you. How often are you praying? How often are you studying? I even mentioned this last week because it was a similar somewhat topic. I talked about assembling. It's, it's really one of the most visual signs or indicators we have for those that we gather with. Assembling with the saints. Now, a lot of people think this is optional. It's not. It's certainly commanded within our scriptures. Uh, gathering together as a body of Christ is 100% necessary. Listen to Hebrews 10, 24 and 25. And let us consider one another to provoke unto love and to good works. Let me pause for a minute. If you don't show up to the worship assembly, how are we going to provoke one another to good works uh, and unto love? If we don't see you, how can we provoke one another? He goes on, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together, as the manner of some is. They had a problem in the first century with people forsaking the assembling. This isn't just a today thing. They had that problem too. But exhorting one another, and so much the more as you see the day approaching. Assembling together when we come together to encourage one another, to help build one another up, to encourage each other to stay faithful, to exhort one another through mutual encouragement of faithfulness. And if you don't want to be here, if this isn't a regular routine for you, there's no other way to describe it as is you have a serious, serious heart problem. You are spiritually in grave danger. If your first thought is not why should I be at, at worship, let me point something out. This is a newer statistic. Since COVID, all congregations pertaining to, I use the term Christendom, all congregations pertaining to Christendom have declined over 25%. That came up this week in that same conversation I was having with an individual. Uh, I believe that number was even higher. But as, a, as an average, all congregations have declined over 25%. The routine of those people who used to attend congregation weekly, you now have 25% who have a totally new routine. And that routine is skipping the assembling of the congregation. And then, as I looked up yesterday, according to an article in the Washington Post... This is a quote. A recent look at the effect of the COVID-19 pandemic found that the median congregation in 2023 is now 60 people. The average congregation, that's the average of all congregations claiming to be Christians, is now 60 people. I think we have seen that take place. And so as Christians, that's something that we need to be asking. What, what is our routine? Am I, am I at the building? 
And let me point this out because a lot of people say, well, this is just about worship. This isn't just about worship. If you've got a heart problem, it's going to be a heart problem regarding worship, but it's also going to be a heart problem regarding other areas like Bible studies or any other gathering of the congregation where you can make it, but you choose not to make it. Guys, ask yourself this. What better place is there than assembling with God's people? I can't think of a better place. There's, there is no better place to, to be than gathering with God's people. And the more time that we spend with our Christian family, the more time that we are strengthened. I've had people say, you know, I'm really feeling discouraged. I don't want to go to, go to church. This is the place you should be if you're feeling discouraged. This is where you should be. We need to spend time with Christians because guess what Christians do? Christians encourage faithfulness. But if you spend time with the world, the world encourages worldliness. And we talked about that a little bit this morning within Bible study. You need to ask yourself, what is your routine? Who do you, let's put it this way, who do you routinely spend time with? And I'm not suggesting you can't spend time with non-Christians. You know why I say that? Because you can't convert a non-Christian without spending time with them. However, I will tell you this, all interaction found within our New Testament of Christian and non-Christian is for the purpose of teaching them the gospel. That's the purpose of it. Yes, there's going to be acquaintances you have, but when you go back and look at the interaction between Christians and non-Christians within our New Testament, it was for the purpose of teaching them the gospel. So we have to ask ourselves, who do we routinely spend our time with? You should be assembling with the saints. I said that one of the most visual signs we have is really just looking out within the congregation or us looking next to ourselves in the, in the seats, right? You guys ever notice when, and I've mentioned this before, when people quit showing up, we notice the first few times, you're like, oh, I wonder where they're at today. But after that begins to become a normal thing, we don't notice it anymore. And eventually we show up to Bible study or to worship and we look over and they're not there and we don't even ask the question, where are they at? And the reason we don't ask is because their routine is, is they don't routinely, they don't routinely come anymore. They don't realize it's a problem. We notice it's a problem right off the bat, but then it begins to become routine that their seat's empty. And so the scary thing is, is oftentimes routines, as they begin to carry out and change within our lives, we don't even realize it ourselves until it's too late. <laughs> and you say, some of these are just so basic, these topics, and yet they're basically neglected. Let's focus on the congregation for just a few minutes. We, we were looking at individual routines, and you can't get any more basic, but I will tell you this. Go back and look right there where it says individual routines, number two. If you are not studying your Bible daily, if you are not praying daily, and if you are not here every week, if you're not at Bible study, and, you're, and it's because of a heart issue, I am guaranteeing you if you start doing this every day and attending every week Bible studies, and worship services, things are going to change in your life. Your focus on what is important will change in your life. So let's start with the individual first. Each of us in the pew has to ask ourselves, am I where I should be? Now as a congregation, though, we have to begin to look outward. Is the congregation where it should be? I will say this, if all the individuals within the pews are not where they should be, the congregation is not where it should be. And it won't probably last very long. 
But if the individuals as a majority in the, in the seats are where they should be, the congregation most likely will be where it should be. What routines do we have taking place here within the congregation that we need to go back and say, okay, I'm focused on my personal stuff, my Bible study, my prayer, and my gathering. Now, within the actual local congregation itself, what routine do I have there? What I'm saying is, is we need to ask ourselves, okay, showing up is great. Is there other areas that I'm getting plugged into? And, and I'm not just talking, even Wendy pointed it out this week in Bible study. We start with the little ones, right? When they can barely see over this, but they're still up here. Do you guys ever, you guys ever watch the little ones come up here and play? Act like they're preaching up here or leading singing or whatever it is they're doing. It starts with the little ones, and why do they do that? They emulate what they see taking place. They, they see the works of the church being carried out. When we gather on Wednesday nights, the little ones help, right? When we're cleaning afterwards. It starts from the very littlest, just big enough to put books away, and eventually they begin to say, can I lead prayer when they've just obeyed the gospel? Can I, can I try to lead singing, right? All of these things... They need to start from a very little age. But it needs to carry over to even the newest member of the body. The newest person who comes in needs to understand this. I am part of a body, and I need to be part of a work. That work is going to vary from person to person. If they are praying, if they are studying their scripture, if they are assembling, they are naturally going to want to be involved within the congregation, right? Everybody's got to find a place at some point where they plug in. And you consider just some of the things that are routinely done around here. Somebody's got to lead communion. Somebody has to lead opening and closing prayers. Somebody has to read the scriptures before I come up. Somebody makes announcements. Somebody leads singing. Somebody's teaching the children. Someone's teaching the adult classes. Someone is carrying out all the other works of the congregation like we do oftentimes as a congregation when we're cleaning the building and then performing all the other activities like mowing the yard, doing the IT work. And all of that combined is for one purpose, and it is to edify us and to preach the gospel so that maybe, maybe somebody else will be interested in actually adhering to what the gospel teaches. So do we as a congregation offer opportunities for spiritual growth? by encouraging and giving opportunities uh, for everybody to participate in the works of the church. I believe we do. I believe we do, and I'll mention why here in just a second. But here's another question we have to ask, and we have to always ask it. How can somebody have the routine of serving if they don't know the needs of the congregation or even their own areas where they could grow and serve? Again, that's a logical question. Congregations need to let people know where they can serve, where they can plug in. Many people, they don't, they don't offer to serve or to do anything because they're just not asked to, to ever do anything. And so if you're not asked, they, they, don't, they don't do it and they don't even challenge themselves. Many people don't know what they can do because they've never been asked to do it or they've never challenged themselves to do it. And so we have to begin to ask ourselves, is serving the congregation in whatever way I can 
a routine part of my life. And if it's not, it should be. But this also means that we then have to get into the question of what it is we're doing to train other people. And I mentioned this because in our last men's meeting, this came up. I think Gary brought it up. I can't remember. Maybe it was John. Are we, are we offering the teaching for other specific areas of works within the congregation where we have people who, who not only need to be trained in it, but they probably want to? And they're probably a little fearful, right? I don't know how to put together, uh, the, specifically this was the topic, how do you put together a devotional? How do you put together uh, a, a Bible study? How do you put together a sermon? Well, if you're like me, the first time I did it, it's pretty poor. It doesn't come across real good because you don't know how to do it, right? And the only way to really know how to do it is for somebody who's been doing it for a while to sit down and say, well, we all do it differently, but here's an avenue you may try, right? And whether we all do it differently, if we're doing it based on book, chapter, and verse, you're not going to do it wrong, right? And, and you also tell them, and guess what? It's not going to be perfect the first time, and that's okay. You can do book, chapter, and verse, and it's not going to be perfect, but that's okay. Because the next time you do it, you'll get better. My wife will tell you, for the first year, I wanted to throw up every time before I spoke publicly. I might make other people want to throw up, but I don't want to throw up anymore. It gets better. And they need to understand that. They need to understand. It's okay if you mess up. It's okay if you mess up. But if you don't challenge yourself, if you don't try to learn to plug into the congregation, doing something that you don't know how to do... You need to ask yourself, am I, am I serving in all areas that I could? Listen to 2 Timothy 2.2. Paul tells Timothy, And the things that thou hast heard of me among many witnesses, the same commit thou to faithful men who shall be able to teach others also. Paul tells Timothy, you know what? We need Christians who can train other Christians. And you may say, well, why is that? The church was exponentially growing within the first century. So you needed an exponential a number of people to carry out the work of the church. And so what you needed was preachers teaching people how to be preachers. You needed people who were teachers teaching others how to be teachers. You needed the song leaders teaching, guys, I can't teach how to lead songs. I can barely, I'm not a good singer. You need someone else here who is a good singer to come up and teach that. That's not my expertise, right? We need someone here who that is their expertise and they can teach somebody else. And so we have to break this down and say, okay, where can I use what expertise I have to train someone who does not have that expertise yet? And we do that because, one, they need to be brought up knowing it takes a while for them to grow. And two, because we know as we get older, we're not going to be here. And so if they are studying their Bible daily and they are praying daily as routine and they're showing up to the congregation and they're slowly starting to be trained in all of this, what you have is, is as I pointed out earlier, if the individuals within the seats are on target, the congregation will be on target. And so we have to have some way of, of each of us not only training and involving all of those faithful members of the body, uh, each of us needs to be asking ourselves, am I challenging myself? I've never done that before. Um, <laughs> guys, I will tell you, my singing is so bad. Uh, and you're, you, you lead singing in chapel. There's no choice about it. You're going to preach in chapel. You're going to lead singing in chapel. Uh, and knowing that I am a song starter and not a song leader, 
I had like three or four songs. One of them was Give Me the Bible. I hear it once in a while here. Give Me the Bible, because I knew as soon as I started, everybody knew it, so I didn't have to really lead it. I just kind of had to start it, right? We need to know the areas where we are, are good and where we can train others, and the areas where we're not as good as others, that's fine. Let someone else carry that role that can do it. But I will tell you this, and I've done it before, and it was not good. I forget, everybody was gone. Uh, all the men were sick. Do you guys remember? You guys nod your head. Do you remember? I see Holly laughing, right? I had to lead singing. I'm going to do it. I don't care how bad it is. I'm going to do it. And I, I honestly believe 100% that Larry back there would stand up. If there was no other man here on, uh, to lead singing or whatever in worship, he'd do it. He wouldn't want to. He'd be embarrassed about it, but he would do it. He says no. Yes, he would. I know he would. Guys, unless we utilize the inexperienced or unless we gain experience ourselves, we will never have those with enough experience to take over. We will never have enough with experience in the event that for some reason the congregation... I think everybody was sick that week. It was literally every family I think was sick, but like two Two of us, maybe, right? My whole point is, is this. We started off with the individual routines. If, we're, if we are where we should be individually, each of us, for the most part, as a congregation, and our routines have put us in this position where we are where we should be, the congregation will be where it should be. And that's because that many faithful people within a congregation are going to stop the congregation from veering off. A person may veer off, and that's sad, but the congregation as a whole will not. And so we have to ask ourselves, do we have these routines in place? Good routines stage us to be in a position of spiritual growth. They're needed for us to remain faithful. They show other people how to remain faithful, and they, they help the church. And when these routines on an individual basis are occurring, the church is strengthened. Why? It's a natural byproduct. You can't have all faithful people in the pews and then have an unfaithful congregation. The two don't go hand in hand. Why? Well, when you look up the word church, what is the word church? Ecclesia, the called out ones. We are the church. There is no unsound congregation when everyone in the pews is spiritually strong. And we're spiritually strong based on the routines that we choose to follow. And I started off by saying a lot of people are going to say this, these topics are so basic, but they are basically neglected. And so we have to ask ourselves, do we neglect any of these? We have to have correct routines for correct Christian behavior. We have to have the correct routine for local congregation to continue to grow or to become faithful. And that's why I also wrote the article that I did. Guys, sometimes we're deceived by the numbers. And so right now, while we may not be growing numerically, we can still be growing spiritually. What I mean is, is each of us within the seats here are still continuing to grow based on our routine of, of Bible study and prayer and gathering. Eventually, that is going to be contagious to somebody. Our spiritual growth should lead to some numerical growth. But everything that I just mentioned to you guys means nothing if you've not yet obeyed the gospel. If you're watching this online and you are not a Christian, none of what I said even applies to you, to be honest. 
the most important thing for anybody is to become a Christian. If you're watching this and you're not a Christian, you need to become a Christian. We're not promised tomorrow. And that was pointed out in the prayer before I came up here. We are not promised tomorrow. Obeying the gospel and becoming a Christian is one of the easiest things you will ever do. You need somebody who is knowledgeable, who can sit down and study with you. That's what we find in the Scriptures. People were being taught the gospel and who Jesus was and why He came, the establishment of the church, all of the things that He did so that they would believe. Hebrews 11.6 and John 8.24 And when they believed who Jesus was and they understood why He came and they knew why the church was established and when they understood the consequence of sins, Romans 3.23 and 6.23, they repented of their sins, just as Jesus commanded, Luke 13.3 and 5. And then they confessed Jesus with their mouth, Romans 10, 9, and 10. And then they were immersed in water for their mission of sins, Acts 2, 38, Mark 16, 15, and 16, Galatians 3, 26, and 27. It was a burial in water, Romans 6, 3, and 4. And the list goes on and on and on. A lot of people say, you guys focus too much on baptism. There is not one person in the Scriptures who was a Christian who was not baptized. So yes, you need to be baptized in water for the remission of sins. And then all you've got to do is be faithful the rest of your life. And that takes a very special routine of constant prayer, constant study, and constant assembling with the local congregation. If you're not a Christian, please contact us. We will either study with you or we'll find a local congregation for you to study with. But if you're here and there is some other way that we could spiritually assist you, you can come forward as we're letting a song of invitation.